Hey everyone, I'm Kyla. Welcome to my channel where we talk about the stock market and the economy amongst other things. What a time to be talking about the stock market and the economy. So sorry for my setup today. I'm filming on my computer. My phone camera is wacky and I apologize for the delay between my last video and this video, but I'm back and we're going to talk about what the heck is going on and all the crazy things that are happening this week. So what's going on? Why is the market going down? So there's really seven main reasons. The first reason is volatility and uncertainty. If you look at the VIX, which is essentially a measure of uncertainty in the markets, it was up 30% today. And now it's settled back down to only being up 10%, but it's still around 30, meaning that people are feeling pretty uncertain, that there's a lot of fear, a lot of like, what the heck is actually going on out there? Point number two, there's a lot of geopolitical risk, Russia invading Ukraine and potentially going after Poland and just causing a ruckus over there. Then China is again, hovering above Taiwan. That's a lot of uncertainty as well. Then the Federal Reserve, they have a meeting this week, which will be incredibly important in the whole conversation there will be, will they raise rates? Will they shrink the balance sheet? We're expecting them to raise rates in March, but how many rate hikes will we have? How fast are they going to step on the brakes for the economy? When will they shrink the balance sheet, which you know is even more of a break on the economy? And what does that mean for the stock market and the economy as well? One of the biggest risks is that the Fed is hiking into an economic slowdown. If the Fed does that, it's not great, right? So it makes jobs harder to get. It makes businesses harder to run. But the reason that the Fed is tightening is because inflation fears. Inflation is super high right now. So the Fed is in between a rock and a hard place. They can either raise rates and pretend to be doing something about inflation, which is an increasingly political item, or they can just ignore inflation, which is increasingly rampant and it's unequal. So it's impacting central United States a lot more than other parts of the country. And so inflation is something that they have to take care of, which is why it's super important with regards to monetary policy, how they proceed. Point number five, rampant speculation. So dog coins are not supposed to go up 100 thousand percent. And so speculation eventually has to shake out. There eventually has to be some sort of reversion to the mean. And we're starting to see that now. Arc falling and other high-flying tech stocks, people are less willing to take bets on whether or not that will actually happen. Then finally, bad earnings. Peloton, Netflix, if you can't make money now, how will you ever make money? So these companies have had pretty bad earnings and the market is like, well, if you can't be successful right now, like how do we know that you'll ever be successful? And so we're seeing companies get punished for very bad earnings. And that also points back to that idea of about economic slowdown. The six things that we need to pay attention to is volatility, uncertainty, geopolitical risk, the Federal Reserve, inflation fears, and rampant speculation and bad earnings. What can we look at in order to figure out what, like, what's the um, lighthouse of the economy? What's telling us what's going down out there? So let's talk about the bond market. This is about risk at the end of the day. So the most risk-free asset that you can have is something, a three-month treasury bill. So the reason it's the most risk-free is because the U.S. government is unlikely to default it's pretty liquid. They're also short term. So rates won't move around a lot. That's primarily why they're risk-free and the risk-free rate is super important because it's used to value essentially everything. Valuations are based off these risk-free rates, which is why if they go up, valuations tend to get hurt. The lower that it is, the more speculation that can happen because people are like, well, how can I get yield? I have to go and go somewhere else. And so if it's really low, people are going to go and speculate. And also the Fed sort of nudges these rates around, right? So they bought up a bunch of bonds during the pandemic to spur investment and that ended up lowering the risk-free rate and it was able to push valuations up, which led to more speculation. So it's kind of that endless loop, right? And so the bond market is super important, not only because it puts pressure or it helps decide the valuations of equities, but also because it's a barometer for growth. There's something called the yield curve, right? And so the yield curve upward sloping, usually two-year, five-year, 10-year, 30-year, et cetera. It's maturities of different US government debt instruments, bills, notes, bonds. And it's usually upward sloping because people are like, you know, I'm feeling better about 30 years than I am two years. Like I think 
we're going to have upward economic growth. When that yield curve begins to flatten, that means that people are not vibing. They're like, whoa, I don't think that 30 years is going to be better than two years. And when it's actually inverted, uh, that means that people are not feeling good at all. And so an important metric is this inverted yield curve because we can use it as a recessionary indicator. So here is the two-year and the 10-year, and the gap between those two is shrinking. So the two-year debt instrument of the government and the 10-year debt instrument of the government. So when they mature, you can see that there's some sort of inversion, meaning that people are like, I'm feeling way better potentially about two years than I am 10 years. I'm not feeling at all good about 10 years. And this is important to take into consideration when we think about the decision that the Fed is making, what is happening in the markets right now. And so this is from Lisa from Bloomberg. The gap between two-year and 10-year treasury yields has sunk to its lowest level since late 2020. The yield curve is currently being driven by the front end as analysts talk of increasingly aggressive rate hikes in the near term. Longer-term inflation and rate expectations are declining. And so Lisa says, it seems like the market is less comfortable with the idea that the Fed can orchestrate a soft landing at a time of elevated inflation. As rate hiking expectations go up, longer term rates keep going down. The market is like, we see you Fed, like we know that you're raising. That is why the long end of the curve is downward because they're like, whoa, we don't see this working out. We think that the Fed is going to lose control. This is important to sort of dive into. So the important thing about bonds is that they have a yield and then they have a price. This yield and price move inversely to one another. The reason that the price of a bond would go up is because people are feeling not great about the economy. They're like, whoa, I'm going to go and figure out what's going on here. I'm going to buy up some treasuries because I'm pretty uncertain about the future. And so that's going to push prices up and push yields down. If people are feeling good about the economy, they're like, well, you know, I'm not super interested in treasuries right now. I'm going to go into ARC with Kathy Wood. And that's going to push the price of treasuries down because there's not as many people bidding for them. And that is going to push yields up. But yields also rise because of inflationary pressures. So it's not just demand, but it's also inflationary pressures because as inflation rises, fixed income products like treasuries become less desirable. So people move away from them. They're like, I don't want inflation to eat everything I have. And so they go into more risk assets because they're like, I need to make some sort of return profile. So the 10 year is really important because it's kind of like this economic indicator, this economic sentiment gauge. It's really important to look at. There is a really good paper by the San Francisco Fed that talks about the natural rate. This isn't the 10 year rate, but the natural rate, which is a benchmark for monetary policy. It's kind of at that point where it's like, oh, we don't need to raise. We don't need to cut everything. It's good. And they write in this paper, real short-term rates adjusted for inflation below the natural rate indicate an expansionary monetary policy, while real short-term rates above the natural rate indicate a policy of contraction. So real rates are going to be adjusted for inflation. So if real short-term rates are below the natural rate, which is usually like right now, it's like between two and a two and a half percent. But if the real short-term rates are below that natural rate, that could, that indicates expansionary monetary policy. Whereas if it's above, that indicates contractionary monetary policy. And as you can see in this graph, we have been in a period of expansionary monetary policy, easy money for a long time. However, if you look at this graph, the 10-year treasury yields have noticed, they've seen the Fed beginning to talk about Fed hiking. You can see in this graph that Fed fund futures, people are starting to predict there will be some sort of hiking happening. So treasury yields, they're really reflective investor sentiment about the economy. Like I talked about earlier, it's both an economic vibe and an inflation vibe. So if investors are feeling better, they're going to be like, no treasuries for me. And the prices are going to fall, yields rise. But if they're feeling really worried, prices are going to rise and yields are going to fall. And so that's kind of the situation that you can think about there. Um, and also inflation. So if there's a lot of inflation, people are going to get away from treasuries. But you can actually dive into the 10-year even more because it's like, it's telling us stuff that we should know about. 10-year is composed of real yield and then expected inflation. This expected inflation is inflation expectations plus the inflation risk premium. The real yield is going to be the real yield plus real risk premium. This is the investor assessment of risk. So both of those risk premiums. So inflation risk premium is related to future inflation uncertainty. It's the assessment of risk of unexpected changes in inflation, whereas real risk premium is sort of the uncertainty about the future path 
path of interest rates and economic outlook, the risk of unexpected changes in the real interest rate. And so if you add those two together, so this inflation risk premium and the real risk premium, that gives you the term premium, which is the amount that you have to pay investors for interest rate risk embedded in treasury securities. And so what that means is the amount that you have to pay people for essentially taking on a risk of inflation or economic uncertainty. And if you dive a little bit deeper into the real yield, quote, real rates rise when the incremental change in the expected policy rate exceeds the incremental change in expected inflation. And so right now, this is important. When we start to see real rates increase, that is when you start to see tightening of monetary policy like actually begin to work. And that is also negative for risk sentiment, aka the stock market. And as you can see in this, these charts from the Cleveland Fed, most of this drive has been from inflation risk premium going from essentially zero in 2020 to 0.41% now versus real risk premium staying relatively flat over the past couple months. And that's important because most of the movement in the 10-year has been driven by this inflation risk premium versus the movement in real risk premium. Being driven by inflation is not necessarily a bad thing um, because it just means the economy was reflating. Obviously, we have way too much now. But if things start to get driven by real rates, like that could be a little bit more deflationary because it's economic uncertainty. It's not feeling super vibey about stuff. This is from Markets and Mayhem. So it, it outlines really well the movement in real rates over the course of 2022. So as you can see in the 10-year, which is what we've been talking about, from January 3rd, 2022, negative 97 basis points just a few days ago, January 18th, negative 59 basis points began to go positive. That could be really bearish for growth, really bearish for tech, really bearish for crypto, but also the bond market is essentially already doing the Fed's job for it. As Jennifer points out below, the, the bond market is already shrinking everything. It's already like, hey, we're going to put pressure on growth assets for you, Fed. Like, you don't even need to worry. This upward movement in rates, this is implicitly a reflection of investors' faith in the Fed's ability to contain higher consumer prices over the longer term. This is from BMO, a quote from BMO. And so we see real rates still starting to move. We see this economic uncertainty beginning to creep in, and that means the Fed has even harder of a job than we thought and they already have a hard job. What does this mean? Higher rates aren't automatically going to be doom and gloom for stocks. Higher rates are usually bullish for stocks. You know, most of the time they do turn positive over a certain amount of time. And also what happens after the first rate hike, stocks generally do well. 100% of the time they tend to do okay over the next 12 months. 75% of the time they turn positive over the next six months. A hike isn't necessarily a bad thing, but we are in a really different environment. We've never really had sort of a hiking period sort of like this. We've never really had a hiking period in general. We've had a couple, you know, 2018 where the Fed did it. And then in 2019, the repo market you know, freaked out. We've never had sort of this situation where we've had super high inflation, where we've had rampant speculation, where we've had a stock market that's like gone up 100% over the past year. What the heck? That's not sustainable. It's not like companies are growing 100%. I think there just needs to be some sort of reversion to the mean and the Fed is either going to accelerate that or hike us into a recession. What can you invest in? Energy is always really important. So these barriers to entries, pipelines, airlines, utilities, the things with pricing power, whether that be like Apple or Lululemon, like things that are just you know, people are going to pay whatever price they charge. And then regulatory powers are things that we need. So going back to the idea of oil, some telecom companies, so like cell phones, some ESG stuff from a policy perspective, and then commodities, so oil, natural gas, 
fertilizer, like all of those are probably going to catch some sort of bid. We've already seen a rotation into value stocks. There are opportunities. You just have to keep an eye out for it. And the Fed has a lot to take into consideration. I will be, of course, updating on the Fed meeting. But these are like really the six things that, you know, we're paying attention to. So volatility, geopolitical risk, the Federal Reserve, inflation fears, speculation, and bad earnings, and just how that ties into economic growth. Very quickly, really sorry about popping off the face of the earth. I have had so many problems with technology and my editing software. And yeah, so it was just a lot. So I apologize for the big gap. I will be back this week. And of course, you can always find me on TikTok, always find me on Twitter, always find me on Instagram. And my Substack, I'll be writing a piece about this tomorrow. Go ahead and hit subscribe, comments, questions, feedback, anything that you want below. And I will see you all soon. And I hope that you're doing well. And-